Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 21st day of October 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and tonight we're going to do something a bit different for the show. Because I can't help but suggest that the events and the smoke over the last few weeks have made it clear that the fourth turning, written about by Strauss and Howe so long ago, is not only in progress, but at increasing risk of going nuclear, pun intended. And while some might regard that as the worst case scenario, I'm going to suggest that there are some things that are arguably even more likely that will hit closer to home that we can prepare for and indeed had better be and soon. And some of them take the form of lessons that should have been, and you can pretty much bet that they won't be, learned from what happened in Israel at the end of the Feast of Sukkot. And I'm going to introduce the first of the dots today with a story that I actually heard about locally. First, anyway, from amateur radio operators here on the Mesa, because it was big news among those that wanted to go back to the front range and do something for the day, I-25 north of Pueblo was shut down, and maybe you can even guess why. Because if you can say train derailment, and uh, that doesn't seem to be too much out of character for this regime in Washington, now does it, especially their incompetent so-called Secretary of Transportation, who seems to almost be making a regular thing out of this, because it's kind of what they do. The story goes that there was yet another train derailment. This time, tragically, a trucker was killed when a bridge literally fell on top of him as a result. Says the story from the Denver Compost, Interstate 25 will likely be shut down for several days and potentially even much longer after 30 train cars derailed just north of Pueblo, collapsing a rail bridge over the highway, said state and federal officials on Monday. A trucker was killed Sunday after 30 train cars derailed and spilled both train cars and coal across I-25 just before 3.30 p.m., about four miles north of Pueblo, between mile markers 106 and 107, and the incident, which involved a BNSF rail coal train, that's Burlington Northern and Santa Fe for those of you out of state, forced an extended closure of the major central U.S. north-south arterial. And here's a shocker, folks. The state highway patrol says officials aren't quite sure what caused the derailment yet, and there's no estimate on when I-25 would actually reopen, because the Colorado DOT says the road may not be cleared for, quote, days to weeks. And the Colorado Transportation Department said that six to seven of those train cars and the coal they carried were literally scattered across both lanes of I-25. Which causes your host to pause and harken back and say, hey, anybody else remember the alleged reason that the interstate highways were built during the Eisenhower administration? It had to do with moving men, material, and things like energy, especially during times of, well, national or military emergencies. Not like there's anything on that horizon now, is there? And this shouldn't surprise anybody. Nobody has any clue what could have possibly caused the problem here. And uh, by the time they get the roads reopened and then the inevitable who knows how long it takes before they finally decide what the story is going to be, what do you bet most Americans will have long forgotten and maybe even moved on to the next train derailment if we get that far? I mean, for example, anybody still remember East Palestine? And no, I'm not talking about the latest front in World War III. But you know what, folks? For those of you old enough to remember Johnny Carson and Karnak the Magnificent, I could put on my turban and hold that envelope to my forehead and divine the answer without knowing the question. Was it terrorism? Of course not. 
And not only can we divine with some certainty that it won't be a Middle Eastern or other than Mexican or anything south of the border kind of terrorist or a communist Chinese party or ISIS sleeper cell that just happened to slip in across the open southern border. But if Big Brother decides it's time, they may try to pin it on MAGA. But I'm guessing they will have charged Trump with a few hundred years worth of more felonies by then. But what's the real point here? Well, we're going to talk about the open borders and the fact that sleeper cells are already in position. Who knows how many literal battalions of communist Chinese People's Liberation Army and other foreign troops could have and almost certainly did come across the border, well, either undetected or outright ignored, maybe given bus or plane tickets, and are already set to do what Hamas managed to accomplish in Gaza with powered parachutes and bulldozers. And let me be clear here, folks, that obviously took planning. It was clear that somebody knew what was going on and it was too stupid or far more likely just turned a blind eye to it because, you know, we need an excuse to accelerate World War III, and they got it. One in the case of the U.S. southern border, which doesn't exist anymore, they've literally had a two-full-year head start in plain sight. So what's the connection with various signs and harbingers, like what happened just north of Pueblo on I-25 with another suspicious train derailment? How many of those are we going to have to have? I've mentioned this many times before, folks, as an engineer with a background in experiment design, in other words, testing system response and seeing what you expect to happen and what actually happened. And if you conduct these tests right, you can even do the math. Like in this case, what is the response of truckers and people that need to drive the major north-south arterial through Colorado and multiple surrounding states? How much disruption does it cost? How long does it last? What are the ripple effects? What routes do people take in alternative? What happens with trains and other forms of transportation? There are a whole lot of things that you can learn by conducting a shutdown of a major north-south arterial and then gauging the system response. And I can't help but think if I was an invading force, that is precisely what I do and probably even how I do it. Oh, yeah, and if I see the compliant waste media covered up for me, <laughs> I laugh and say, how much the better? Because the fools aren't even catching on yet. On the Mideastern front of World War III, we're still in the escalation phase. The United States has announced a second carrier group being shipped off to uh, the Mediterranean. We can only hope that they get all their LGBTQIA fuzzy plus training completed before they get within Russian missile range. Oops, may already be too late for that. Hal Turner's radio show has this comment that Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday gave the United States what he called a quiet tap on the shoulder with respect to America placing two aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean Sea. Russia's Kinzhal hypersonic missiles can reach out and touch them. It's not a threat, he was very clear to say in advance. Putin reminded the world that Russian aerospace forces, specifically their MiG-31s on patrol in the neutral airspace over the Black Sea, are armed with those Kinzhal hypersonic missiles, which have a known range of 1,000 kilometers plus and travel at Mach 9 and can reach those U.S. aircraft carriers. But it's not just Russia, 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 of course. At this point, I need to add all of the other nations that are pretty well had it with the puppet masquerading as president in the White Whorehouse. And much of the Islamic world, it seems, too. This is from multiple sources. After the bombing of the Al-Hali Baptist Hospital in Gaza, who done it is still TBD, folks. But what matters is that much of Islam is drinking the Kool-Aid, regardless of who done it, blaming Israel and the U.S. I've been asking the question ever since the alleged rocket attack, quo Benny, and I think a united Islamic front may help answer that. 
The black flag has risen over the Razavi Shrine in Mashaz, Khorasan Province, Iran, and it's being heralded as a worldwide sign of Islam coming together to fight, yep, the infidel that needs dying and jihad. And it looks like as World War III continues towards its uh, arguably inevitable conclusion at this point anyway, given the idiocy of what now masquerades as leadership, Americans had better start paying attention, your host will suggest, to what might happen on the home front. Especially given the inevitable economic meltdown, and it's drawing closer by the day, the open borders and the invasion and all of the sleeper cells, a crumbling infrastructure, more than vulnerable power grid, a devastated national energy supply, including an empty strategic petroleum reserve, and let's not forget the attack on what's left of freedom-loving, Bible-believing, law-abiding Americans. Back to the black flag of war and jihad. Iranian President Ebrahim Raisi spoke of it, saying, quote, The flames of U.S.-Israeli bombs dropped tonight on innocent Palestinians being treated for injuries in Gaza's hospital, and he said they will soon engulf the Zionists. No free human being's silence is permissible in the face of such a war, unquote. And regardless of who's at fault, it's illustrative, say those that are paying attention to the black flag of jihad. So far, the governments of Syria, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Palestine, Egypt, Jordan, Turkey, Qatar, and Iran have all blamed the Israeli Air Force for the explosion at that hospital. And honestly, let me put it this way. Having seen this mentality for quite a while, hey, has anybody listening here ever managed to convince a true blue leftist? that the 2020 election was rigged. You can show them all the videos you want of election workers being kicked out of vote-counting stations and cardboard being put up in the windows, ballot boxes being stuffed, electronic manipulation, and don't even think about mentioning 20 Sigma Black Swan statistical events. Doesn't really matter, now does it? You want to really know what jihad looks like, folks? Wake up! It's been declared on MAGA for two full years now. And Islam isn't going to do anything any different. It's just that the stakes are now going up. And, oh, yeah, let's not forget, the sleeper cells are already in place, which pretty well tells you where I'm going to go today. But before we go there, I've still got a couple of additional items to set on stage. The first one from Ethan Huff at Natural News says that, you know what? As all eyes are turned to the latest Mideast front in World War III, yet another mysterious factory explosion has occurred, this time at an ammunition plant in Nebraska. I guess once you get rid of all the food, that might be next on the list. The Hornady manufacturing plant near Grand Island blew up on October the 13th, killing one woman, injuring two men at a 150,000-square-foot facility that was opened back in 2018 on land that formerly housed the Cornhusker Army Ammunition Plant. And this is kind of telling. Major media, as you might suspect, remains pretty much muted, silent about the incident, despite potentially major implications for the nation's ammunition supply, especially if what's left has all been shipped over to Ukraine. The local fire marshal is investigating the incident, but there are at least a few noteworthy items to consider, says Natural News. The timing is especially curious, given that the Biden regime has been calling for stricter ammunition laws in the United States. They don't want you peons to have any of this. And just last year, there were a number of stories suggesting that the District of Criminal Crocs were plotting new regulations, restricting sales of ammunition to civilians. And they don't want you to have a rifle, but they're not nearly as upset if it's only a club. For example, Winchester says the piece is currently only allowed to sell surplus ammo on the civilian market once the military has had its fill. And I think you got to remember, folks, nowadays that includes the Standing Army. In other words, any federal bureaucracy with three letters in its initials. 
This is the policy the Biden Fuhrer regime wants to nullify now because it represents about 30 percent of all 556 and 223 caliber ammunition sales. And concerning the Hornady incident, this shouldn't surprise us, a growing number of people are now suggesting it just might have been attacked by the very same government that last year was exposed for wanting to ban various types of ammunition to the public. Think about it, folks. You don't have to have a Speaker of the House sign off on anything to pull this one off. And the story suggests that Hornady may now have gone offline for ammunition sales and that Winchester has announced no civilian ammo from here on out. But if you believe anything other than the official nerdy folks, you know what they're going to call you, don't you? <laughs> Not just conspiracy theorists anymore, right-wing mega extremists and probably domestic terrorist or white nationalists. Yeah, get used to it, because once they get rid of all the ammo, it's only going to get worse. Which takes me smoothly to these next two related stories, both from the Daily Mail in the UK, that I'm going to call The Great Cave-In. The first one chortles about the demise of the Kraken, as they refer to crusading firebrand lawyer Sidney Powell, who's been hammered because of her association with Donald Trump and representing him during the failed attempt to restore election integrity back in 2020. That's not exactly how the Daily Mail puts it, as you can almost certainly guess. I'll put it this way, quoting Marlon Brando. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. Well, I guess she metaphorically saw the horse's head in her bed and didn't. The Kraken lawyer, they said, age 68, admitted six criminal counts and avoided jail. There's the key. As she was sentenced to six years probation during a surprise appearance at the Fulton County Circus Court in Georgia on Thursday. And in what they gleefully called a devastating blow to Trump, she agreed to testify truthfully, yeah, sure, against her co-defendants, including the former president, at future trials. And the shocking move, they admit, sparked speculation that she had flipped and agreed to cooperate with persecutors, turning on her old boss and on the Constitution, the rule of law, and all the American people in the process. Hmm... And I guess in exchange, she won't get raped or worse in prison. The story helpfully tells us that, oh yeah, as for the Kraken, that was a reference to the mythical octopus-like creature depicted in the Hollywood blockbuster movie Clash of the Titans. In the movie, the monster was slain, but in the real world, the opposite is now true. The Daily Mail seems to gleefully think that's not only Sidney Powell, but the dragon slayer himself, Donald Trump. Oh yeah, and that's not all. She was ordered to write a letter of apology to the state of Georgia and its residents. And you know what, folks? I actually struggled to not come up with a really sarcastic, disgusted response to that. I guess all I can think of is, well, if she had just given up the sexual favors early on, like, say, the vice president did... There might have been a whole different outcome to this, don't you think? One thing, again, though, seems to be true. George Orwell was right. Read the shocking last four words from his classic dystopian warning, 1984. The protagonist, Winston, he loved Big Brother. And there you go. Right, Sidney? But this looks like a one-two punch. The Daily Mail also has this headline. Jim Jordan has called off the third vote for Speaker of the House. More House chaos, it says, as the top Republican says he will now back, in other words, sell out, and allow the rhino Patrick McHenry, temporary Speaker of the House, to become the permanent temporary Speaker and take the gavel. Well, at least for now and for the foreseeable future. This is the piece amid science he was going to lose more and more support. The House rhinos have been making it clear they intended to eat away at him like maggots on a corpse. 
He would lose more support from his GOP colleagues as time wore on. The conservative, it says, who shed votes during his first two bids is now going to back, giving rhino Kevin McCarthy ally Patrick McHenry the gavel in a ahem temporary bid to end the stalemate and get the House back to business as usual. By Friday, he was forced to back off on the permanent temporary speaker part, but the rhino maggots are still chewing away. I think Steve Bannon's commentary on precisely this subject has been pretty spot on for the last couple of days. He suggested that this was precisely what the rhinos and the deep state have been up to and pushing for. And the so-called coalition includes the far left, united behind the communist anti-speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. Would the rhinos really give the gavel to a complete communist? Answer, I think everybody's starting to believe they really do intend to do precisely that. If they can get a temporary permanent speaker in place, then the pressure's off, and they can continue to do business as usual for, well, forever if necessary, or at least as long as the corpse of the United States remains animated. So I guess it's fair to ask, has Jordan completely sold out to business as usual or just caved and kind of like Sydney recognized that, uh, well, the swamp has won and why go down to that watery grave all alone? Oh, yeah, I will admit, is it possible that it's just a brilliant political maneuver on the way to more business as usual? I guess time will tell. But meanwhile, it's kind of hard to argue against. Most of us probably recognize by now that one of the biggest lies among an administration famous for the Hitlerian big lie is that the border is closed. (laughs) Well, I guess that means if you're an American that believes in certain self-evident truths. As for communists and terrorists, oh yeah, come on in. We'll give you your jihadi cell assignments, your Obama phone and your UBI, and your train, plane, and bus pass. And there's one other really big border exception, notes Bob Unruh for WorldNet Daily, and also the Gateway Pundit. Resettlement of those that are persecuted by faith is down by a big margin. Well, at least if your faith happens to be associated with the God of the Bible. The Biden Fuhrer's regime claims that America's southern border is closed, even as its policies allow millions upon millions of illegal aliens to flood in. Some of us, though, would say encourages rather than just allows. But there is an exception, a segment of society that's feeling the full brunt of border security persecution. As he puts it, Christians. Decision magazine documents that the U.S., along with the Biden Fuhrer and the White Whorehouse, has cut the resettlement of Christians fleeing persecution around the globe by fully 70 percent compared to 2016. Quote, Open Doors, which annually ranks the 50 countries in which it's most difficult to live as a Christian and World Relief, a global Christian humanitarian organization, issued a joint report in September that in 2022, the U.S. government resettled barely one-third of the number of Christian refugees who were granted asylum in 2016, said the report. In fact, the actual numbers of Christians resettled in the United States was 9,528, down from 32,000 to 48 in 2016, and Folks, that's less than one day's worth of illegal immigrants, ISIS, Hamas, and Hezbollah jihadists, and communist Chinese People's Liberation Army imports that infiltrate the non-existent southern border, and I'll say it again, each and every day. I guess I should put it this way. You want to come in and wage jihad, destroy infrastructure, suck on the public teeth? Yeah, come on in, but don't you dare bring a Bible.
After all of that today, folks, I have a really important, and I'll have to admit it, I think it's a suggestion worth repeating today for how we deal with the multiple problems that are plaguing the United States, primarily from, of course, the swamp itself, beginning with an ever more timely reminder, now that World War III is really getting rolling, because there have been so many indications from major think tanks, military consultants, and so forth, saying, yep, the United States needs to institute another draft if we're going to successfully pull off the rest of World War III. And there's been more and more talk on that front, surprise, just this week. And associated with that, I also heard an interesting but damning statistic over the weekend. Did you know that casualties among Ukrainian frontline troops in the war against Russia are 80 to 90 percent? How's that for drawing a short straw? We'll probably see what it looks like in Gaza before too long as well. And as you no doubt remember, part of the big debate and the oh-so-incredible brinksmanship we saw leading up to the weekend sellout was, do we or do we not continue to open the U.S. borders and let invaders stream across without any hindrance whatsoever, but with lots of incentives once they get here, while at the same time we continue to send billions more down the rat hole in Ukraine? Oops, yeah, forget about that. we got another front now to divert your attention. You're obviously not allowed to ask the question, why is their border so worth defending while ours isn't? Pick a border. There are several now that are all more important than the one to the south. Well, folks, I want to spend a few minutes next looking at a couple of things. For example, let's talk costs. Some leftist sites like ProPublica and NPR and others are saying Trump spent almost $3 billion on the worthless border wall. <laughs> well, it's worthless now. The Biden Fuhrer pretty much destroyed what was put up and invited other people to just circumvent it while the Border Patrol, how's that for a misnomer, is literally cutting the razor wire and saying, come on in, the water is fine and the goodies are free. I really think they need to change the name from Customs and Border Protection to Communists and Bidenista Propaganda. Rather than stopping people at the border, folks, they're cutting the razor wire and helping them in. You can watch the videos online, for now anyway. How's that for traitors on the southern frontier? But Benedict Arnold's at the border aside, it's um, enlightening, I would suggest, to take a look at projected costs to put up a border wall. Or now I guess we'd have to say to re-put up what was destroyed. A derogatory piece from TexasMonthly.com, dated April 21 of 21, says, Woo, it might cost 27 million bucks a mile. Well, in that case, folks, a thousand miles of similar wall might cost 27 billion dollars, with a B. Other estimates compiled from leftist sources, including the BBC, say that a border wall might cost anywhere from $12 billion to, oh, imagine this, $40 billion bucks. But wait a minute, that's chump change. In early August, those pulling the Biden pure strings sent a supplemental appropriations request to Capitol Hill for $24 billion bucks just in assistance to Ukraine. That's not counting armament and all the other goodies they've got on the table. And uh, those that are being siphoned off and sent up the chain to the various Big guys, no doubt. So far, in Ukraine alone, the U.S. has spent 113 billion bucks in four separate spending packages, and that's just for starters. They keep wanting to up the ante. Oh yeah, and let's not forget, the Biden regime left 80 or 90 billion bucks worth of U.S. military hardware for terrorists like ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. Kind of makes you wonder how many billion of that have already crossed back in across the open southern border now, doesn't it? But one thing's for sure, that too would have built, oh, at least a couple, maybe three or four border walls. 
And now, in just the last few days, just to buy off the speaker's race and grease those skids to oblivion, the Biden fuel regime has proposed a hundred billion more bucks. This time, most of it for Ukraine, but oh yeah, we'll toss Israel a few crumbs too. But as for terrorists and open borders, well hell, we may get a bunch more from Palestine now. How's that for wonderful? So understand this, what's already been spent to push for World War III in Ukraine, and not a dime of it for actual real defense of the United States, would amount to at least three and maybe ten complete border walls. Well, meanwhile, enough invaders to populate the state of Wyoming, for example, are crossing the border just about each and every month. I guess you could ask how many Communist Chinese Party People's Liberation Army battalions does that include? One thing you know for sure, General Marxist Milley, retired or not, isn't about to tell you, although his PLA general buddies probably know. Neither is one dollar for his quote-unquote services, Lloyd Austin. And the clueless Congress, by any measure, folks, wastes more than that every single year. And are you ready for this? Interest alone on the utterly unpayable so-called national debt is projected by the CBO to take pretty much two-thirds of a trillion bucks in 2023. And that's up 200 billion bucks in the last year, enough to build five full walls, and that's including Bidenflation. Why, just the stuff they're arguing about still could probably build a wall or two. I think the point's obvious. There is no intent to stop the invasion. The intent is the exact opposite. It's to destroy the United States. Which leads me to that suggestion I was talking about. If nothing else, it connects the dots and, I think, makes the point, really brings it home dramatically. And we'll get to it right after the bottom of the hour break. Stay with us. Back now to the second segment of the show for this evening. I am your host, Mark Call. And when we got interrupted at the bottom of the hour break, I was unveiling what I guess I would call the modern version of a modest proposal. If you remember Jonathan Swift from oh so long ago, it all had to do with connecting quite a few dots that we're seeing play out of late. Why would we defend other nations' borders when for a fraction of the money that's already been blown in Ukraine and that they intend to blow, not only killing all kinds of young American boys and girls, but who knows how many other nationalities as well, and arguably leading right straight to nuclear Armageddon, can we do something not so deliberately, obviously, undeniably suicidal? Here we go. Rather than instituting a draft and sending young men and women, boys and girls, to die for some other country's borders, why not say, hey, come on in? We obviously don't have a southern border at this point. After all, we're subsidizing your entry to the United States, and crappy border patrol isn't even slowing it down. So let's just make a deal and see, folks, if this doesn't connect a whole lot of dots and maybe solve a whole bunch of problems all at the very same time. Now, let me say this up front. We all know it's not going to happen, but if people want to call their Congress critters and make the obvious point, maybe at least some of the chicanery might be uh, a bit harder to hide. 
And here's kind of the thought process that I went through to get here. I can certainly respect any young person of draftable age who would say, hey, they're not protecting our border. They're not protecting my farm, my home, my chance to even have children and a life in the years to come. So why the hell would I want to go over and fight and die on some other front for a country that basically only has one purpose, and that's to cover up the graft and corruption of the fake and its communist masters pulling the strings in the swamp? You got Venezuelans this last week streaming across the border carrying a Venezuelan flag. Well, why don't they, if they don't want to fight for Venezuela, go fight in Ukraine? It's almost as corrupt as where they came from. There actually is precedent for this, folks. There have been times in U.S. history when people could earn their citizenship. Hey, what a concept. By actually fighting for a country that once believed in those self-evident truths and that people were fighting and dying to defend God-given, constitutionally protected rights and freedoms. (laughs) How ironic is that nowadays? So, since Big Brother and Alejandro Mayorkas are already saying, come on in, we'll give you freebies, why don't we change it just a little bit and say, oh yeah, come on in, we're just going to do two things. And by the way, we force these on Americans anyway, so what do you got to argue about? First, if you want to come in, you have to take the Zyklon B injection. That way we know there won't be any issue in years to come with birthright citizenship. Ha ha ha! Once you figure out what the mRNA has done to your fertility... And number two, of course, we're going to send you overseas to fight and die for somebody else's borders. How ironic is that? How apropos. Men and women, boys and girls, and especially transgenders, hey, the military will love you. Go on over and fight. Maybe die. And, uh, yeah, if you want to, when you're done or maybe even before, we'll give you whatever transgender or trans whatever we've got next surgery paid for out of that same bottomless cup of coffee that we aren't using to defend the borders now. And imagine, folks, how this deals with all the arguments you've heard about how it's too expensive to deport all of these people that are crossing the border by the millions. Why, how much would that cost? We haven't got the money. But ironically, we've got enough money that we're contemplating sending tens or hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of Americans to go over and fight and die for somebody else's border. All we're really talking about doing is taking that draft from a different pool. And it's right there. Lots and lots of them getting bus and plane tickets already. We just changed the destination a bit. And let's not forget this. We're talking about sending billions of dollars worth of more equipment, M1 Abrams tanks and F-16s and who knows what else, maybe even missing F-35s, over to Ukraine. This will no doubt be less expensive than what they've already got planned. But it's all funny money, isn't it? They're printing it by the, uh, well, trillion at this point. Oh, yeah, and one more thing, too, folks. Dare I suggest that if people actually were told, you cross that border, we may ship you over to fight and die in World War III, that it might stem the flow just a teeny bit? Well, if not, hey, we got nothing to lose at this point, right? Oh, yeah, and I can imagine one more objection you might hear. How about all those kids that are coming across the border? Don't we have compassion on them? Well, folks, we want to inject... 12-year-olds, 6-year-olds, and now all the way down to 6-month-olds. How's this for compassion? With an injection which is A, untested, B, doesn't defend them against anything, and we know it. C, statistically, they're not even remotely likely to suffer from the booga-booga flu anyway. But D, turns out they are far more likely to be sterilized and never have progeny of their own. So who are we kidding? Let me say it again. Why not do to invaders what we're already doing to our own kids, whether they like it or not? Or for crying out loud, folks, at least admit the deadly hypocrisy here. 
Oh, yeah, there's one other thing. If you say kids are too young to go into battle, well, they're probably too young to be force injected. But why don't we just put them in some kind of a camp until they're big enough to go? That is, if they survive at all anyway, and then ship them over. The Biden Fuhrer's puppet masters have continued to assure us that that war will still be going on by then, if the world hasn't already been reduced to nuclear ash, that is. All right, well, there you go. Admittedly, this has zero chance of actually happening, but I guess you could say the same thing about actually stemming the tide of Communist Chinese Party, ISIS, and you name it, foreign invaders coming across and destroying what's left of the United States anyway. But at least this way, we get to point out the absurdity of idiots bent on self-destruction while they're pushing the entire world to nuclear Armageddon. And you know what else? It might be a really great way to inform the cannon fodder of tomorrow exactly what it is that they're fighting for, or not, and what Big Brother intends to make them die for. When it comes to just say no, folks, I think it's helpful to be able to plan ahead. But now here we are, less than two weeks since I first put that modest proposal together, and I'll suggest if you thought that border incursion in Israel was bad, just wait till you see what they've got planned now that the borders are still open, but the invaders have already joined up with their cells and their battalions. There is very definitely a lesson here. And that's what we've been working up to, because it's not what Americans want to hear. And as a matter of fact, most of them simply will not. Folks, what I'm really trying to lay out today is, uh, like the modest proposal, we know it's not going to happen. The United States is not going to suddenly wake up and say, hey, we're dead. We're dead men walking. We've had it. Put a fork in it. They're not going to suddenly say, you know, the uh, drama playing out on Capitol Hill with the speaker that is, uh, are we going to get yet another rhino? Of course we are. They're not going to be allowed to put in anything other than a rhino, and they will burn the house down rather than allow even a Jim Jordan, who looks like he's uh, pretty well caved at this point anyway, to inhabit the office. So uh, what am I suggesting? Um, the impossible is something that we're going to have to get used to. We're seeing it over and over again, and uh, Ultimately, I think this uh, this charade on the House floor is probably a good indicator. There are a number of them as to uh, what we need to wake up and suggest or understand is uh, is actually going on. For example, the debt limit and spending another oh hundred billion bucks like the Biden Fuhrer wants to do to what? Throw it down the rat hole in Ukraine. Everything that we're seeing is so ridiculous, so insane, so unbelievable. That if we step back and ask ourselves, what are they trying to shove down our throats? The answer is death, destruction, more Zyklon B. They're going to bring back the mask mandates. They want you to be injected. I saw some stories the other day saying a tiny, tiny fraction, less than 10% of Americans are are drinking the Kool-Aid and taking the next injection. Well, don't worry. They've got something else planned that will try to up those numbers. So, uh, so many things that aren't going to happen, so many things that just show, come on, you can't believe it. Uh, what I want to do now is see if we can't just sift through some of the smoke and ask, what does this all mean? All right, I've got about three other quick stories. A lot of these have just come out this afternoon, even since I started putting this show together. For one, here's here's a, oh, you've got to be kidding me story, out of the Daily Mail. The White House, the whorehouse, has been forced to delete a photo of the fake president. This one doesn't seem to have the lobe, so he's probably the imposter anyway of the imposter. Anyway, uh, the Biden Fuhrer meeting with U.S. special. Special forces in Israel. 
He's shown shaking hands with the uh, with the secret special forces during his visit on Wednesday. It was published on the official White House Instagram page for hours, and basically it revealed the identity of a whole bunch of uh, the top elite soldiers in the United States military. Says the story here, uh, it is violation of Defense Department rules to reveal the men's faces, which are usually blurred out in any officially released photographs. Why? Because people want these people dead. You destroy their careers. You might end their families' lives. This is beyond idiocy. This is so stupid you have to ask, come on, can we really believe that uh, uh, Hamas would be allowed to come across a border or that the White House is so incompetent? Well, I'll admit you got me there, that they might be willing to do this and get special forces, elite identities revealed, and troops killed? Of course they do, folks. Who are we kidding? Now, um, I want to ask another question. Here's a, here's another story from the same source, the Daily Mail. Can House Republicans, can, can the farce that we're seeing sink any lower? The evil Matt Gates, says the headline here, almost gets into a fight with his colleague, a scumbag rhino, sellout, and traitor. All right? Um, Plans for a temporary speaker are scrapped. That's the good news. Jim Jordan is told he'd drop out because they're not going to allow him to uh, uh, occupy the speaker's office anyway. Uh, there's all kinds of, of BS in this story about how awful it is that they almost got into a fight. Well, you know what, folks? The United States is dead. Stick a fork in it. There are arguably a few representatives on the House floor. I can name them on the fingers of one or two hands that are saying, we're dead. We had better get something figured out here or it's all over. Uh, you're worried about a budget deficit. You're worried about sending more crap legislation to be signed by the fake president so we can continue to do the stuff that's getting us killed? Oh, yeah, that's important. The worst that could happen, no, the best that could happen, would be that they just shut this whole stinking farce down and keep it shut down. And people say, you know what? Maybe that wasn't so bad. That's what they're really scared about is Americans waking up and realizing that, hey, uh, the old saying is right. The life, liberty, or property of no man is safe while the legislature is in session. And the longer Congress stays uh, completely impotent, the better. It just joins the Biden fewer and the others. And at least they can't do positive harm as easily. They're going to continue to do that as they have been. Um, I'm leading to a number of things here. And let me introduce that with uh, another story that came out uh, just later on this afternoon. This is from the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, courtesy of the Denver Post. The uh, I-25 that was shut down for about four days as a result of the, oh, so unbelievably unfortunate. Uh, was it really? Train derailment just north of Pueblo. Well, I-25 is open again, a little bit anyway. And um, the uh, company owns the train. They basically claimed that they did a test that very same day. Now, there is some argument about this, and no doubt there will be some uh, finger-pointing. But um, on Tuesday, investigators with the National Transportation Safety Board, incompetent runners for uh, the uh, but-is-gay crowd, said they believe the crash was caused by a broken rail on the track just east of that bridge over I-25. So a broken rail caused the crash. An expert says 99.99% of the time it is caught by detection equipment, and they ran the test the very same day. Here's a quote from the article. The ultrasonic equipment used to test and look for rail breaks is the industry standard. It's state-of-the-art. And when you have a 99.9% or 0.99% success rate, it's really, really difficult to pick up these outliers. You know what? You read this whole piece, you will not see a single hint even that, you know, there's another possibility here. Maybe somebody did it deliberately. Maybe the rail was deliberately sabotaged. Maybe it was a test. 
I alluded to this in the first segment. Railroads identify about 200,000 broken rails every year. 60 or 80 derailments caused by broken rails happen annually. Typically, it's internal fatigue, but... Said the uh, spokesperson here, the railroads do a very effective job of identifying and fixing them. Ultrasonic detection methods might miss the brakes if they're really, really small. Or, listen to this, here's the only hint of what probably uh, your host suggests in my cynicism might have happened. If there's something on top of the rail blocking the detection. Now, I'm sure you'd have to have some knowledge of exactly how the ultrahonic system works. As an engineer, I would suggest I could think of probably some ways, especially if I knew more about the specifics of the test, to fool them. But um, wouldn't it be clever to um, make sure that the rail was going to break, then put something on top of it that would allow the ultrasonic equipment not to detect it, and then make sure that when it gets derailed and all kinds of uh, tons upon tons of trains and coal and dirt and everything else gets thrown up and it, uh, the rails get twisted and thrown 50 yards, just maybe whatever you put there would disappear. And besides which, even if they found it, you know the uh, federal agents are about to tell the American people the truth, are they? You get away with it. In other words, what is more likely... This is the part where I where I really suggest as we are thinking about what we need to understand, it's the problem with big numbers that tends to flummox Americans that have been dumbed down for so long. In other words, what are the chances, folks? I'll tell you what, it's a lot less than 99.999% that if a, on a given massive presidential election, after the polls close and after the poll watchers and all the people that are supposed to make sure the thing is honest are forced out and after cardboard's put up in the windows, that suddenly... Who could have thought it? 99.9% of all the votes come in for one guy. What are the odds against that? Answer, doesn't happen. What are the odds against so many things that are happening all the time? Happening. Answer, it doesn't happen. Well, wait a second. No, it does. Here's the thing you have to understand. This is the thing that people without a background in engineering or statistics just can't quite wrap their heads around. We think of what's called a normal distribution. Uh, it happens way out there in the outliers, the tails, the three, the four, the six sigma events, things that don't happen. Well, I, uh, I made my career for years talking about one in ten to the six kind of numbers, things that shouldn't happen, but they do. They happen regularly. You can deal with these only in terms of statistics and uh, multiple sigma events. Well, here's the point. If I look at a disk drive and I say, what are the answers of a, um, a bit error failure? And it's very, very small. Well, that's different than asking, what are the chances that the uh, customer actually takes the disk drive that he's paid for and shoots a bullet through it? That's going to cause a problem. What are the chances that a supposedly very reliable testing system that finds rail brakes can find one if somebody has deliberately tried to hide it and cover it up and make sure that when the crash happens, the evidence is, well, destroyed in a massive pile of steel and coal or um, other poisonous materials. In other words, here's what I'm suggesting, folks. The problem, the lack of understanding is most Americans cannot conceive of, would somebody deliberately rig a presidential election? Oh, come on. How about an easier example? Would somebody really try to destroy the borders and allow millions of invaders to come in? Answer, you done blankety-blank and right that they are and will and indeed have already done so. What are the odds? Well, if there is evil afoot, they are 100%. It's not a 1 in 100 or 1 in 10 to the 6th chance of something happen. It is a lead pipe cinch because somebody wants it to be so. 
That's why you're not going to see anything other than what Big Brother wants to happen in the swamp and so forth, because they have come too far to allow anything to, uh, well, destroy their beautiful wickedness. And if they have to kill a few people or a few billion people rather than going to the gallows themselves, once you recognize the mentality, you realize that those who have accomplished all of what they have so far gotten away with would be willing to kill billions. Matter of fact, they're jonesing for it. Rather than go and be hung or sent to the electric chair, just one person that's responsible, uh, much less the whole bunch of them. So what I'm suggesting here is Americans are not going to figure out what is going on until they wake up and realize what Scripture told us a long, long time ago. The human heart is deceptive above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Most of us simply, we don't believe that scripture. We say, well, I'm an honest person. I can't believe somebody would deliberately, what, lie, cheat, steal? Well, maybe cheat, maybe steal, but kill millions in order to uh, accomplish some evil end? Our mind boggles, and yet the evidence says it doesn't happen. It cannot happen. All of these things cannot happen in the absence of anything other than pure, unmitigated evil. Let me throw out a couple more stories just to bring the point home. Here's another one from Zero Hedge and um, John Miller via the Brownstone Institute. Another tacit admission that the COVID mandates were a disastrous mistake, an unmitigated failure. Evidence against the politicians and so-called experts who imposed them and demanded compliance continues to grow. Basically, what it says is the socialist distancing was a bunch of BS. The masks had one purpose. It was to make you more susceptible to having your uh, immune system destroyed. Why? It cuts down your oxygen. It makes you rebreathe your own exhaust gases. Doesn't do squat, especially if it's a stupid cloth mask and people wear it all day long. All it does is just cause you, you put a face diaper, you breathe through it. Come on. Yuck. How stupid do you have to be to put up with that? And they're going to do it again. That leads me to this story. This comes from the burning platform and they do a lot of good stuff. Um, cynical as it might be. We had a weekend of lies, yet another weekend of lies, misinformation, disinformation, laying the groundwork for the next stage of the Great Reset Plan, it says. The media and the regime is dutifully propagandizing the masses with the utterly ridiculous tripe. Okay, how many utterly ridiculous bits of tripe do we see? Well, pick something that's being uh, pushed in the media. It's a lie. It's so obscene that nobody would believe it except the dumbed down. I look at 9-11. I look at the Oklahoma City bombing and think those were decades ago. They got a little bit better at telling some of the lies by 9-11, but um, if you're willing to believe that stuff, hey, look and see what they're pushing now. Uh, here's the most ridiculous, most recent one anyway. Uh, a bunch of rock-throwing Hamas terrorists completely surprised the most militarized, most surveilled country on planet Earth. Launched 5,000 rockets, slaughtered over 1,000 people, took over Israeli military bases, and are somehow winning a war because, ooh, they surprised the people who, uh, well, let them do it. Almost immediately, the regime mouthpiece, in this case the author says it's the Wall Street Journal, has proof. Iran is behind the attack. And um, result, you shouldn't believe one iota of anything that's being reported. Because the timing of all of this is just plain impeccable. The Ukraine debacle, basically having exhausted itself and proven that, um, nope, the narrative isn't selling. Americans are realizing, why would I want to die for their border when they don't give a damn about our border and so forth? Well, it's not being reported, but it looks like um, Putin, the evil uh, dictator that he may be, has finally managed to do what ultimately his intent was all along. 
shut the thing down. The timing is impeccable, and a few Congress critters are now refusing to fund the Biden money laundering operation any longer. Well, that at least helps to explain a lot of what's going on on Capitol Hill, doesn't it? They must be silenced. Oh, and by the way, there's more. The Biden impeachment hearings are underway. The uh, the lying, senile, you know what, should never have been installed, folks. And the odds of all of these things happening on uh, the wee hours of the morning after the election. Um, now we have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Sidney Powell essentially saying, hey, I'll be a good little slave. I'll, I'll eat crow and Kool-Aid. And, uh, they have forced people to submit. It's exactly what the regime does. And I've, I've already mentioned the last line from George Orwell's 1984. He loved Big Brother. The economy has begun to tank. If I was to step back and say, uh, ask yourself the question, when are all of these things? When are the inevitable massive amounts of terrorist attacks? They've had the dry runs. We've had terrorists shoot up uh, substations for power. We've had them destroy rails. We've had them release chemicals. We've had them block interstate highways. They've got all the data they need. Now what? What's the next step? Well, when it all comes down... I guess if I was if I was running the railroad, pun intended, that's when I would pull the plug. I'd say, well, just wait. We've already had one of the biggest bond market implosions in history. We already have the BRICS nation saying we've had it with the fiat dollar. The fiat dollar is already long in the tooth. It's dead men walking, too. It's going to happen eventually. Can we profit by its demise? Sure. But let's decide when the most optimal date would be. Oh, how about when everything else hits the fan? How about when we unleash the terrorists and say, here's the go, word go? Who's pulling the strings? Does it really matter? The one thing I think we can count on is the way this piece uh, from the burning platform begins. George Carlin, the late George Carlin, um, he says, I have one cardinal rule that I live by. My first rule. I don't believe anything the government tells me. And you know what, folks? In this environment today, he was probably right 20 years ago. But in this environment today, you're not only a fool if you believe them, you probably will end up being a dead fool. Whether we're talking about the Zyklon B or, uh, no, get on this train. There'll be a nice shower waiting for you at the end of the ride. The national debt, a trillion dollars a month. The fourth turning has begun to accelerate into the violent, dangerous, and likely bloody phase. And meanwhile, an incompetent, dementia-ridden, empty vessel being handled by the mediocre-minded nutcases are, in fact, um, destroying. And they're doing at least a good job of destroying what's left of the once free United States for good. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve has been drained. Uh, there's less than a 17-day supply of oil left. Um, we've seen all of this before. Well, the question I'm going to ask is, what's it going to take for people to wake up and say, you know what? Scripture was right all along. It's not only time to come out of her. It's time to say, I need to believe the one truth that we have in the world, and that is who the real creator is, everything else is a lie. He tells me to come out of her. Is it a little too late? Maybe. But it's better late than never. And with that, folks, I will say, understand that the, the light just simply can't get any bigger. It can't get any more blatant. It can't get any more insane. So you might as well recognize that just about everything, and I mean literally everything you've been told, is a lie. The Bible says, concerning the times I believe firmly we're in, See that you are not deceived. Well, for most Americans, it's way too late. It's probably even more true for the rest of the world. So step one is to just try to wrap your head around just how big the lies are that most people have swallowed or had injected right into their bloodstream. Step two is to choose. Make a choice of law. Choose who you serve and come out of a system that really, truly intends to kill you. And you better hurry. <laughs>